if you could do me a favor, you know, if you ain't that busy, if you could throw us down a couple blessings, you know, like one that I don't mess up being a manager. Uh, we're just three cats and never played a single snap. Here to tell you how to draft when the ship and run it back. The stats ain't tell the story, this is the story of the stats. You can stick it to your friends, what's more glorious than that? We're victorious in rap, bringing wrath to our rivals. We're here to shun the stats, laugh, and lead you all the titles. Stick to the path and follow us disciples. The only sin is math, and all you need is the Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Bible. It's the fantasy. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Bible. I'm your host, Nate Binder. Here with me today, as always, is Dane. Dane, how are you doing? I'm doing great. It's playoff time. Hopefully you're in there. If you're not, don't worry. There's always next year. And thank you for still joining us. If you're not in the playoffs, that shows a true dedication to your craft. It will pay off. And if you're not in the playoffs and you're still a fan of the NFL, as we uh, Dane and I were discussing right before we started recording, a lot, of, a lot of news in the NFL world over the past few days. Uh, you know, a lot of uh, kicking going on in, in Jacksonville. Um, oh, yeah. Kicking of players, kicking out of coaches, um, kicking of walls probably by fans who are like, what the hell are, is going to happen to our generational <laughs> quarterback prospect? Um, yeah. And you know. kicking the player who was kicked by the coach off the team who also is a kicker. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 That he, sums it up. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh, that's not, not a lot of fantasy relevant stuff. Although Dane mentioned maybe James Robinson becomes a little bit more relevant with uh, Urban out of there. I mean Daryl Bevel, the guy that's taking over as the interim, is a totally competent uh, NFL coordinator. So um, could be seeing better production out of Jacksonville. But it's kind of at the point of the season where it doesn't matter for like eighty percent of you because you know a small amount of people make the playoffs, and those that do probably have their situation more or less figured. I know there's like, it's almost silly for us to give any fantasy advice on this podcast because the situation is so fluid right now with COVID. Anything that we could say right now could be totally different uh, by uh, what you might call it by Sunday. So instead of looking forward, we're going to, we're going to take a look back with uh, 10 retrospective questions on the 2021 fantasy football season. I'm, I'm excited for this exercise here. I am too. And I will say you mentioned that our news could, you know, change drastically by Sunday. Don't forget there are Saturday games. That would be um, a ter- yeah. <laughs> terrible way to lose your fantasy playoffs if you didn't check your lineup till Sunday morning and you realize you started Jalen Waddle, who is currently on the COVID list. Imagine that. That would not be the way to go. Please check that. Put them in your starting lineup. Put your Sunday and Monday players, you know, in the most flexible positions you have available. That's Basic stuff, but I mean, with how rampant COVID has become in the last few days, it it would pay off even more so this week. So, routinely, this is becoming my favorite part of the year because, all right, like one of two things are happening: either I'm in the fantasy playoffs and I'm fighting for a championship, or I'm not in the fantasy playoffs. Football is getting really intense. There's football on Saturday. Every game has playoff implications. It's just such a great time to be a uh, an NFL fan here. It really is. I'm unfortunate enough to be in fantasy playoffs, so I'm just panicking that <laughs> with, with every vibration of my phone, you know, whether it's a text message or a sleeper notification, where I I'm just paranoid. It's my player, my star players that are now on the COVID list. So part of me wants that relief that I'm not worrying about it and I'm out of the fantasy playoffs. But I mean, gotta keep going. Gotta just 
trudge through this storm of COVID that's happening right now, man. I will say one of the most fun things I'm rooting for right now is uh, I, I placed bets on the Eagles over seven and a half games and the Rams over 10 and a half games Ooh. in the preseason. And it's looking like both of those, both of those are two games away from hitting. There's four games left for both teams. So I just need them to pick up two of those games and two of my uh, kind of most uh, voluminous preseason bets will hit, which, which will be nice to, uh, to see. That would be awesome. Do you know like roughly what the odds were? Like if it's like, I don't know, five to one or 10 to one or. Oh no, they were both like, um, kind plus of, 150. Kind of spread. Okay. Yeah. Like, okay. like better than the spread, but, um, yeah, the over was like a slightly better odds. That um, would still be awesome. So yeah, it would still, it would make up for a lot of, uh, cause I felt very confident about both those numbers. So, uh, and it looks like they, they're, they'll be close, but they, they might hit. I'm very, very happy that the Rams beat the Cardinals there. Um, yeah. And of course I'm very glad that I didn't bet the Patriots under, like I was considering because they were set at around nine games and they've already hit that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, a lot of people underestimated the Patriots this year and, uh, they're, they're steamrolling on. All right. You ready to get into this segment here? I sure am. Okay. So we got 10 questions here. We'll go, uh, we'll go through them one at a time and just kind of give our responses. They have to do with you know, the, the season, looking forward, looking back. The first one here is, uh, Dan, what is the biggest lesson that you learned from this fantasy season? So I think that this whole COVID thing is going to be a real problem, possibly something huge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, obviously that's true. But on a more serious note, um, I think something we can take from this fantasy season is that we should not take good rookie quarterbacks for granted because i mean what justin herbert and james Bur- or sorry joe burrow did last year was was atypical for rookie quarterbacks and i think that probably led a lot of people to believe that we might see some some of that similar excellent performance from this current draft class of rookie quarterbacks and that has not been the case i mean uh you look across the board and the best rookie quarterback is probably mac jones by a, a margin and he's not fantasy relevant at all yeah he, he's a great nfl rookie quarterback and to, to be able to get a great quarterback that is a rookie in the NFL and to be able to get a great quarterback that is also fantasy relevant, you probably have to have a running element to your game. So that's something I think we can go forward and just kind of temper our expectations for teams with rookie quarterbacks, including their assets. Like these teams that have rookie quarterbacks, the Jets, the Patriots, um, like what – what uh, pass catching assets are you really using from them week to week? The Jaguars, the um, who else has one? The, the Texans, I guess you could say. Davis Mills is probably the second best rookie quarterback. <laughs> yeah. So, like you're not really able to use their pass catching assets reliably. So I think that's something we, sh- we should uh, definitely be paying attention to from this season. Well, and I think you hit the nail on the head really, especially on that last part is situation matters so much. I mean, no one predicted that could have predicted what Justin Herbert was going to do, but I think it was like probably, you know, wouldn't have been that unreasonable to expect Justin Herbert to fare better early on with the Chargers than Trevor Lawrence was going to be with the Jaguars. Because like, yeah, you got to look to, okay, like Mac Jones is, is the best rookie quarterback. He's also gone to the 
best infrastructure in the National 100%. Football League with an outstanding offensive line and a standing play caller, a system built around protecting his flaws and, uh, you know, excelling or making his strength excel. So you look at that, you look at, like you mentioned, weapons, you know, you look at the Chargers, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Austin Eckler, a team that's flush with weapons. So you have to look like not just at, is this like a rookie quarterback who, that I think could have like an instant impact it's is this a quarterback that could have an instant impact that is going to a good situation where they can thrive because there is like also a difference between quarterbacks like Mac Jones and Joe Burrow who are elite processors of the football and can be slotted in almost as a rookie and take over a lot of the offense and make plays happen and eventually expand their skill sets to put up more yards and more points to become more fantasy relevant. But someone like Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence that has maybe elite physical tools, but never really showed that elite processing of the game in college, especially Trevor Lawrence, who was in basically an RPO based offense like that matters as well. So like understanding the full picture, I think, We'll, we'll let you know like which rookie quarterback to draft. And with that said, like that's the mindset I kind of went into this year and I landed on Trey Lance as, you know, the best rookie quarterback to draft and, uh, you know, just didn't work out because Jimmy Garoppolo has started like the entire season. Although I still hold yeah. that if they had gotten rid of Jimmy, he like Trey Lance would be a top 10 quarterback. Yeah. Strictly off the rushing floor alone, like what we've seen from uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, he's mm -hmm. not a top passer in the NFL, but it doesn't matter for fantasy because what he's doing on the ground is like running back one numbers, you know, a rushing touchdown and 70 yards per game. Like that's, that's a, I would be happy with that plugged into my running back two spot every single week. And you're getting that on top of his passing production. So yeah, I think going forward, we just should pay attention to that. You either need a great situation and talent, or you need that, rushing floor so yeah or you need like a freak that surprises everybody that you luck into like just justin herbert right. um so i took this a little differently my biggest lesson was there's such a thing as too much of a good thing and that is fantasy football uh, i was in seven <laughs> leagues this this year which would have been fine if it was my full-time job but for like most of us i have another job a real job and uh you know college and and all that kind of stuff uh so I wasn't really able to give each league the focus it needed. And I also wasn't really able to properly assess which league deserved most of my focus, which was like the hardest part because there were certain leagues where I was like doing well in the beginning of the year and spending more time making decisions in that league. And then like that narrative would switch in certain leagues. And in all of these leagues, if I had like just a couple more points in one game, I would be in playoffs right now for the most part. And, and so it's just like, all these micro decisions, I think, really added up because I've gone I've gone so close to seven and seven across the board that man, if I had just had a few less leagues and been able to pay more attention, maybe hadn't uh, excuse me, time we're going off here, um, maybe hadn't like you know failed to get a replacement for Darren Waller at that one week when in a league where I didn't realize that there was no free agency pool, it's just minor things like that. Um, so just if, if you're on that pathway where maybe you're just getting into fantasy football and you had one league this year and it wasn't enough, which I understand, like, cause I've been there, uh, don't go over the, over the top. I think three, three leagues is a really nice, uh, sweet spot to be in. Yeah. I think three max is where I want to go. I, I had similar, similar lessons gleamed from this season where I was in five leagues and yeah, I, I will be capping it at three going forward. It's just so hard to focus on what players you have on each roster, where your weaknesses are, when you should be making trades and trades take effort. Like that's a thing that 
I think is the hardest when you have multiple leagues. Like if you're trying to make trades and be active, that takes time. It takes messages. It takes, you know, taking, um, man, (laughs) Uh, looking at the landscape of like what players are on what teams and what those what the teams needs are yeah. exactly so assessing all that and just trying to make moves is very difficult when you have too many leagues because you will miss stuff you will miss opportunities so I think that's a great lesson learned uh, right uh, yeah oh just to build off that point like like I thought like oh I'm gonna own all these players in all these leagues so I'm gonna be so much more aware of all these players instead right. it's like my awareness dimmed and there used to be a point like I, I would watch. And a play would happen and it would be like, oh, I could send a trade offer watching that play because I know this player, like if this guy's watching and he needs wide receivers, like I used to have such more of a situational awareness. And that's really what's I think dropped out of my game is like knowing different personalities and different needs in the, in the landscape, because I wasn't really trade heavy this year because it was, uh, like you said, kind of like difficult to put the time into the negotiations across all those platforms. So uh, moving on to our next question here, uh, I'll take the lead on this. What is the biggest mistake you made this fantasy season? For me, I think it was focusing too much on roster construction during the draft instead of best player available. I was kind of obsessed with the idea of getting this top three tight end. It was a top priority for me in all the drafts and I didn't want to deal with the tight end position, but never really stopped to consider that how much it would affect my roster if George Kittle or Darren Waller didn't pan out and neither of them really panned out. I mean, obviously Kittle's balling now, but he hasn't played enough games to win me games and he was struggling earlier in the season. Um, And like, just looking at like, as an example, Justin Jefferson is one of the players that was hovering around the Waller Kittle mark that I could have taken that I do think is, is, you know, a better prospect for fantasy than those players. But I was so obsessed with blocking down that elite tight end that I foregoed so many elite wide receiver assets for the most part uh, because of that. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. Um, it's easy to go into drafts with this preconception, you know, whether you're listening to podcasts and that's where you got it from, or whether it's your experience from last year. So just be very aware of like, why you're making these decisions it's not worth it to just go into a draft with a predetermined strategy you have to always be analyzing the board as each pick comes off and yeah just be be aware that you don't have to construct your roster a certain way sometimes it's best to let things come to you and like i'm sure you guys have had teams auto draft in your leagues and shockingly those teams tend to do well because they're not emotional about their picks They're, they're picking based on an amalgamation of all the algorithms and data that's available to that platform. And it has determined that a player should go in this spot. And if that player falls five spots, the auto draft will pick it because odds are that eventually things will level out and they'll be right. And it's always annoying when a team auto drafts. Cause I'm like, Oh man, they're going to be in the playoffs just because they auto drafted. Like, so be aware that you shouldn't get too cheeky. You shouldn't come up with a strategy and just, uh, you know, try to take your emotions out of it. Yeah, an auto-drafted team isn't going to have opinions about Melvin Gordon being washed or James James <laughs> exactly. Robinson like not being favored. Like, I mean, granted, James Robinson, like James Robinson, I think you would agree is it was a steal. I think in this year's draft for a lot of people, um, even though he hasn't like performed maybe up to snuff, he's been a startable RB two for the most part. And uh, I think he was ignored in a lot of drafts just because people were like, oh, they drafted Etienne. Uh, Urban Meyer doesn't want anything to do with James Robinson. And then like, you know, Etienne goes out, uh, Robinson's all they have. I know there are situations now with Robinson not getting the snaps, but at the end of the day, 
um, you know, those, those like weird judgments that we, we base our opinions on aren't there. Yeah. And I completely agree with that. The person that came to mind for me, which will segue into my answer to this question, uh, biggest mistake I made this fantasy season uh, in one of my leagues, I traded Leonard Fournette in week three, because I didn't think he was going to hold on to that RB one domination of touches in the Tampa Bay offense and big mistake. I mean, I, I believe I traded him or I traded Leonard Fournette to get Emmanuel Sanders just because I had a bigger need of wide receiver. Well, a couple of weeks later, I had a bigger need of running back and I would have loved to have Leonard Fournette on my team because he's been balling out. He's playoff Lenny for the whole year, basically. Like, I mean, he's getting, I think 80% of the touches. It's just his backfield. And I was too willing to trade away a healthy running back on a great offense. And I should have taken my emotions out of it. Like we were just talking about. I didn't think that I had a preconceived notion that what I saw last year was going to replicate this year, but in reality, that was not the case. I should have looked more at the data, at the numbers, the opportunity, at the offense. I mean, going forward, I will be a lot more hesitant to trade away a healthy running back on a great offense. Like, yeah. I should not have done that so hastily. Well, and I think the commandment, and like, like, I mean, Fournette, I think is going to finish as a top ten running back. So yeah. the the mid tier doesn't really apply to him. But something that I've tried to stress in our league, because I see so many like trades go down. Like we recently had that Mike Williams for David Montgomery trade. A mid tier running back is worth more than a mid tier wide receiver. Hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, and Especially that goes at this time of year. Yeah. And that goes at every level, like low tier running back, low tier wide receiver, high tier, high tier. Like it's no matter what the running back value trumps it. All right. Who is your favorite player that you acquired or drafted in fantasy this season? Definitely Cordero Patterson. Uh, I believe I was lucky enough to grab him in two leagues off the waiver, including dynasty off the waiver. So, you know, 25 players, 30 years old. (laughs) Yeah. 30 year old special teams returner. He was great at that, but never could really work into a full-time role in any offense that he's been on. And I mean, going into the year, it was all about Mike Davis is one of the best values at running back in the draft. He's a fourth round draft capital pick, but he could be, you know, he could belong up in that second round where we saw players like Swift going just based on opportunity. He looks pretty decent filling in last year for McCaffrey in the Panthers offense. But, uh, that was wrong. Mike Davis is pretty washed, I'd say. Uh, Cordell Patterson became the top running back and, frankly, the top pass catcher for the Falcons offense this year. It's been amazing to watch. He's looked, he's the most explosive player they have. He's their entire offense. If he's not in the game, their odds of losing probably double. So, I mean, it's just – I think we have, like, uh, st- like numbers to support that. <laughs> I think so, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, we could do a deep dive on that, but maybe in the offseason, but it doesn't matter because somehow Arthur Smith figured out how to unlock the true potential of Cordell Patterson. And I just love those out of nowhere picks where you can, I mean, he's basically a running back one when he's yeah. healthy. Like that, that's great. That, that, that stuff wins you leagues like James Robinson last year that gets he, you to the playoffs. He's the James Robinson of past years. Uh, Kareem Hunt, you know, like was a waiver for some people that year. Um, yeah, I, uh, I like the quarter. I don't own a quarter Patterson anywhere, so I didn't get to experience it much like I didn't experience James Robinson. I actually had him in one league last year, but, um, but yeah, that was great to watch. It has been interesting to see Mike Davis get a few more, uh, carries and snaps in recent weeks, but Mm -hmm. hopefully that uh, trend doesn't continue in the playoffs here. Uh, I'm going to go with a similar, similar candidate and that is Elijah Mitchell. Uh, because Elijah Mitchell early on in the season 
uh, looked good. And uh, in Dynasty, I put 100% of my free agency budget to acquire him uh, and was laughed at, was ridiculed for doing it was, this. Uh, including uh, by me. <laughs> but I think it was a really smart move. I mean, he, exactly. I know he's had some injury concerns, but when healthy, he's been startable, uh, you know, usually double digit points, if not close to 20 points, he's earned Shanahan's trust. And I think there's probably a chance that he's a relevant player for a few more years. So, uh, as long as he can, like, if he can maintain a hold in the San Francisco backfield, I feel good about it. Even if he becomes the one B to an eventual larger running back acquisition or the return of Raheem Mostert there. So, uh, yeah, happy to acquire Elijah Mitchell's another one of those kind of out of nothing or out of nowhere players uh, that I invested kind of big in uh, in Dynasty. And there weren't really many other situations where I needed to use um, that free agency budget, nor do I think there are any other players that uh, that appeared that would have been worth it. So uh, pleased with that decision, pleased with Elijah Mitchell. Although I do want to give a special shout out to Joe Mixon for finally living up to the hype. Yeah, that's a, that's a good answer too. Yeah, Joe Mixon. I mean, he's doing what we all thought he could do. He's doing it this year. I'd love to see it. Um, I do have him on one roster. Didn't make playoffs in that league, unfortunately. But uh, I, I was enjoying the ride as up to that point. So uh, glad to see that the Bengals' offense has looked great. They've also had some dud games. So if they can get more consistent, they should be a playoff team uh, next year as well. So. Nice. All right, getting into our least favorite players that we acquired or drafted this fantasy season. Uh, I'll kick this off, but I wouldn't be yes. surprised if you have the same person here. And that is it, Allen Robinson. Uh, I prioritized Allen Robinson in several leagues because if you focus on running back early, you want your wide receiver to be the steady eddy, reliable as they come, guys. Uh, the, the high target, high floor players, and I felt like Allen Robinson was that. I felt like I was guaranteeing myself a wide receiver that would finish in the top 15. Uh, and as we know, that has not been the case. The Bears offense as a whole has been pretty abysmal. And even as they've gotten a few things worked out with Justin Fields, uh, Darnell Mooney has you know been the prime pass catching candidate there with even Cole Komet usually doing more in the passing game than Allen Robinson when he's healthy. So uh, Allen Robinson, uh, my wide receiver won in several leagues. Um, then I focused on the running back or tight end position and just a massive, massive letdown. Yeah, I think he definitely wins the award for biggest bust of the 2021 fantasy football season. Um, I did not, I was lucky enough to not draft him in any league, but he was on my board. I would have if I had the chance, didn't really have the draft position to do so, but uh, yeah, easily the biggest bust of this year. And uh, yeah, I, I feel bad for anyone who had to deal with that. He uh, did for trade for him. I did trade for him in a league because I had a bipocalypse in week seven. I started him and I think I got four points. I barely won the week. So some could say it was worth it, but ultimately <laughs> I, I did end up dropping him two weeks later because he was just a clogging, clogging the arteries of my roster there. So easy decision there that he is terrible this year. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders for me, man, I, I was adamant going into the season that I would not touch Emmanuel Sanders. I'm sure you remember my emotional arguments. I'm sure you remember that he burned me last year. I, I spoke multiple times about it on this podcast. And somehow, man, somehow I let you <laughs> convince me that he, he was a worthwhile asset in Dynasty. In Dynasty. In of Dynasty all of all places, which is really This simple. guy, what is he, 31 years old, 30 years old? Like he's, you know, got maybe two years left at most. And he's never going to be the wide receiver one, probably never going to be the wide receiver two on an offense. 
just because I bought into him having two good games in Buffalo and that offense is good. They're a high passing volume offense. I was like, all right, I need some pieces. I can, uh, I can make a run for the championship in dynasty this year. Didn't work out. Emmanuel Sanders was dud after that. He got injured after that. I haven't really had any game useful from him and I missed playoffs by like half a game. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you traded me Robbie Anderson in a third round pick, and yeah. I don't think that would have helped you that much more. Although Robbie not. Anderson, I think, is now more relevant than Emmanuel Sanders for fantasy, which is kind of funny. For sure. At least by age and the third round draft pick could have been a lottery ticket for somebody else. So, yep, I'm mad. Yeah, <laughs> it, uh, it's kind of funny. It was like the biggest long con because I was talking Emmanuel Sanders up in the offseason as like someone you that were. could be relevant. And he had that hot streak he had 21 points eight points 17 points nine points i was like oh this is relevant wide receiver too and uh yeah the you know it's the little moves the little moves that where you extricate value that get you climbing up that dynasty ladder uh but yeah i don't know why he's suffered so much in the past four weeks i mean he's just kind of disappeared entirely from the passing game supplanted a lot by beasley and gabriel davis um so rough there, but I, I totally understand. And yeah, I, w- I won't be, uh, I think firmly you can say that he won't be on your roster next year. No, yeah, not in my starting lineup, at least, no. <laughs> and uh, Alan Robinson probably could be end up being a major still next year, although I could kind of see him going the way of Alshon Jeffrey, where he's just like doesn't have the physicality to have the same skill set that he had, which is, you know, separating at the catch point and making those contested catches. He's not exactly a, you know, a speed guy. So um, sometimes those talents fade and maybe that's what we're seeing here. All right. Did the season result in any rule changes or settings adjustments that you want to see in your leagues next year? Um, I think the biggest one for me is that auction drafts are far superior than snake drafts. I, I just, you know, you see every year that people get burned by injuries in the first and second rounds, even third and fourth rounds, if those injuries kind of add up. And I think what happens is a lot of people that have those players were in the same draft position within a spot or two. So you kind of feel like you're pigeonholed into taking certain players based on ADP and based on all the mock drafts you're doing, because only those players are available to you. You're picking from, I don't, you know, three middling running backs. Maybe it was, Saquon, Jonathan Taylor, and Nick Chubb, and you chose Saquon or Nick Chubb, and you wish you would have taken Jonathan Taylor because you emotionally wanted Jonathan Taylor. He was the guy who clicked with you, but he was taken one spot ahead of you. So auction drafts just give you that flexibility to pick whoever you want. doesn't matter because there are no draft positions here. You have a budget. You can spend it how you want. So I think um, I think going forward, I would advocate that in any redraft format. So uh, that's that's my take here. I do like the auction format. I don't know if I think it's fully superior. I do like kind of the preparation that can go into the uh, snake draft. And I think if you approach it in a more fluid way, like I felt so locked into taking CMC at the 101 and I didn't want to take CMC. I had talked about in one of our earliest podcasts about how I thought CMC was going to be a letdown. And uh, and then I was like, well, you, you can't not take CMC there. Um, so maybe it's like approaching the snake draft with a different mindset is also part of it, but I, I do agree. I generally don't see a ton of weaknesses to the auction draft format, except that it can lead to really unbalanced teams. If, you know, if it's some, if it's a few people's first auction draft, like 
you know, and they overbid on a couple of players early, it can lead to like massive steals down the line. It can just, uh, you know, lead to less balanced rosters ultimately. Um, That's true. That is which, true. Which uh, can be problematic, but is also can be fun. Um, my thoughts here were the uh, creation of a super flex dynasty league, I think is a top priority. We've talked about that, but that's the convergence of settings that I think most appeals to me just with the high relevance of the quarterback position, or at least like the abundance of quarterbacks that are fantasy relevant. I like that super flex format for dynasty there. So that's kind of cool. Um, But this is one that I've kind of thought about, which is creating an automatic veto threshold where like there is no commissioner veto and there is no voting for veto, but if a, a trade is more than like 15 points off of like a, a league agreed ch- trade chart, it just gets automatically vetoed. And I know a lot of people prefer like a laissez-faire approach to trades and vetoes, but I mean, our league was like single-handedly tilted by two bad trades by one person. Like there are two people that are in the playoffs almost because of this person that like shipped off all these studs and made his roster completely desolate. So I I think that like some regulation makes sense depending on uh, your league makeup. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty torn on this issue because you're entirely right about everything you just said. Um, I I would prefer that we don't have vetoes because most of the time people are acting in good faith, unless you can prove that somebody, you know, is colluding with another player to just beef up one roster at the expense of the health and, uh, good nature of the other one then obviously that's not fair but but a lot of times you just see people making stupid trades and yeah and if you're acting in good faith chances are the trade isn't more than 15 points off on like one side typically it's yeah typically that would that would ring true and then occasionally you have outlier trades where somebody views a player differently than the other one and it just swings a little heavier and here we are to yeah like you said two juggernauts in the playoffs that shouldn't have been i don't know i, I think something can be done about it i don't I certainly don't love when that happens because it affects, you know, my playoff odds if it's not my team that that happened to. But I think I think it also sends a good message to the league of like, hey, some of you doofuses are so dumb that we had to like, you know, <laughs> add additional regulations. Like this is like the the early United States here, like adding yeah. adding laws and checks and balances. Yeah, uh, training wheels for the uninitiated, perhaps. Yeah, so I, I like what you, where your head's at. Hopefully we can iron out something, but uh, I think there could be backlash. I think it could be, it could be unhealthy if not done correctly is, is where my head's at. Yeah. Uh, all right. Which player was the biggest surprise to you this season? Uh, I'll kick this one off here. Debo Samuel. Debo um, Samuel was mine too. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Debo Samuel. Oh, oh, he's just someone that I never really gave much of a second thought to. Like I was like, Oh yeah. Get him in like the seventh or eighth round. If, if he's there for you has some fun athletic tendencies, like how they use him as a running back, but don't think he's the center point of that offense where uh, Ayuk and Kittle are playing and Raheem right. Mostert's playing and it's going to be a run-based offense uh, and uh, add on the durability concerns and the way that he plays and that he seemed to be a very fragile player. Not only has he played the majority of the games this season, but he's been like that versatility has exploded into like what you may have imagined Tavon Austin could be 10 years ago where it's, you know, he's, he's efficient as a running back. He's efficient as a a route runner. And it's not just like, you know, get him the ball quick in space. It's actual complex route trees over the middle of the field that he's working and stuff like that. So uh, early on in the season, like if I 
had not traded for uh, Devontae Smith and kept Debo Samuel, I would be in the dynasty uh, playoffs right now because yeah. I, w- I would have Nick Chubb and Debo Samuel, but I traded both of those players away. Nick Chubb intentionally Debo Samuel because I misevaluated him. And, and I, I mean, I'm happy to have Devontae Smith on my roster and I think he's likely to take a huge jump next year, but man, oh man, was Debo a huge surprise. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, we all knew he was good when he's healthy and that has kind of been the biggest knock on him is he would miss, you know, many games at a time with injury. But, uh, I mean, I had no idea that when he was healthy, he would have this kind of ceiling. I mean, he's I didn't know he was like that kind of receiver, like pure talent, receiving talent. You know, I thought he was just like a freak. Yeah. Yeah. We knew he was tough and athletic and, you know, a brute and quick, but I mean, he's putting it all together in the same season and staying healthy. And we've seen, now his ceiling is a top three wide receiver, which is pretty insane. I mean, at this point, they're not even using him much as a wide receiver. He's their running back one. Like he's getting the most running back touches because they need him there and he's excelling at it. Like he's still putting up fantasy relevant games. And I think he got one catch last week or the week before that, something like that. So, I mean, he's just a pure athlete. He's amazing to watch. I'm glad that he's in the league. I should have drafted him. I, I regret not. There's like a point where like he was like leading the league in contested catches and he's like six feet tall with a like, you know, average vertical, like not that that's short or anything, but it's not like, you know, he's like Dwayne Bow or one of these massive receivers out there or something like that. So, yeah, crazy. Uh, I'm, glad, I'm glad we're in agreement here. Uh, all right. Which player were you right about all along? Definitely Kenny Galladay. Um <laughs> I, yeah, I was a hater all draft season. I mean, his ADP, like his expert consensus rating uh, ECR was about wide receiver 18 or 19. And I had him down at 32. And it turns out that was too ambitious. Like, it never really made sense to me. Kenny Galladay being a fit with Daniel Jones and in, in the Giants offense, like Daniel Jones is not an accurate passer. He's not a reliable quarterback. He's not somebody who can throw 50-50 balls in the right spot to where Galladay can, you know, expand upon that and make Daniel Jones look good. It's a, it never really seemed like a good fit. I don't know. They paid him a lot of money to come there, and he's a talented wide receiver. We've seen what he can do with Stafford. I believe he finished the top 12 two years in a row there, I think, and he's made some real highlight catches with the Lions offense, but you know, he missed some games this year, and that was a concern that we had last year as well. He missed, I think, four to six weeks. Can't remember, but he missed about the same time this year. And, yeah, I was definitely right about him, and I don't regret at all fading that offense in general. Yeah, proud zero zero percentage owner of Kenny Galladay right oh, here. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we were we were pretty early on that, and you, you had a little more vitriol than I did, but – Definitely an early position of the fantasy Bible was don't draft Kenny Galladay. Uh, I'm going to go with Jalen Hurts because I was pretty staunch about how look if, look if Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, plays 16 games or whatever, he's going to finish as a top five fantasy quarterback because of the rushing floor, as we kind of touched on earlier when we were talking about Trey Lantis potential. And yeah, right now he's the QB six in overall points, and that's with uh, missing a game, and he's the QB four in points per game. So yeah, I think uh, you know I I had faith in Jalen Hurts. I don't really have faith in him to be an NFL quarterback, and I do think that he is likely to be replaced in a year or two in Philadelphia. But as a fantasy quarterback, I'm excited to own him in Dynasty because I could see Jalen Hurts having a long NFL career as a player that's given chances to succeed in multiple environments. Like someone brought up, like the Steelers 
And if Jalen Hurts was the steal, quarterback for the Steelers and he was doing for the Steelers what he's currently doing for the Eagles, there'd be no question that he's the Steelers quarterback. Like that they would be freaking out. They'd be like, yeah, we're going to run the ball with Jalen Hurts. We're going to control the clock and our incredible defense is going to shut this thing down. But Philadelphia just has such a different organizational philosophy. It's much more of like, oh, we need an elite passing offense to be a successful NFL franchise. And so they're never going to stick with Jalen Hurts. But I do think that he could be relevant for years to come in the fantasy landscape. And I'm uh, happy to be right about him in the preseason. Yeah, you absolutely were right. You were on that from the beginning as an Eagles homer or fantasy football analyst. It didn't make a difference. You were right on both accounts. Um, I was not as high on you or not as high on Jalen Hurts as you. I think I had him like quarterback nine going into the season. And to me, that was kind of his his middle ground. He could have been like quarterback five or quarterback 12. But uh, he's clearly week to week, just reliable uh, with what he's doing on the ground. Um, so uh, number eight, which player were you wrong about all along? We can say it together. Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor. Taylor. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, not much more needs to be said there. He's clearly amazing. He's a great running back. The Colts have a good offensive line. They now will clearly know where their strength is, and it's Jonathan Taylor. Um, yeah, I'm, I regret that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That was a tough one. I mean, part of it was like, and it was, it was probably unfair. Like we should have been giving, well, like part of like, it's, it's funny because one of we had a couple points on Jonathan Taylor. One was like, Oh, the wear and tear. He had like the most yards ever from a college running back. And also he was running behind a great offensive line. And sure he has that in Indianapolis, but the line, you know, college and NFL lines, they are, they aren't the same in terms of how much space they generate. But like a big one was like, oh, who was like a running back that like it was like the Carson Wentz, Miles Sanders thing where it was like we we were so excited about Miles Sanders's second year as a running back. And look how he let us down. And, yeah. you know, maybe this short come on that Jonathan Taylor had at the end of the season is, is an illusion. He's going to where they uh the quarterback, you know, can't hit check downs. And while that's still kind of true about the quarterback, they are like coordinating one hell of a run offense with Jonathan Taylor up there. And obviously the outstanding offensive line helps. So yeah, we were, we were wrong about Jonathan Taylor. Uh, pretty, very wrong about him, <laughs> but well, yeah. we, we learn our lesson and we move on. Um, if you could redraft your team today and have the number one pick, who would you take? Would it be Jonathan Taylor? Um, so I think you got to kind of factor in hindsight and injuries in this question. So I mean, if if we had this conversation a month ago or so, it would have been Derrick Henry Derrick hands Henry. down, right? Yeah. So so I think it's assuming everyone's healthy in the next season, it might still be Derrick Henry. I don't know. It's close though. So I think if injuries are factored in, then it's probably Jonathan Taylor because he has been healthy and is clearly the best running back for fantasy right now. Uh, but I would say if injuries were completely removed and everyone was healthy all year, it might still be CMC, man. Like if he's healthy, he's on the field. He can score 20 fantasy points without a touchdown. And when he has those boom weeks where it's a touchdown or two, that's 35 points for you, and you just win your week no matter what. So it's definitely going to be a big talking point going into next season where you should draft Christian McCaffrey and Derrick Henry based on their injuries this year. Um, but when the truth is, man, when they're healthy, they're top talents. Like a good example we just talked about is Debo Samuel. Yeah, you could talk me into Derrick Henry next year, even though he's going to be another year older, like getting pretty up there for a running back. Uh mm-hmm. 
But I don't think you could talk me into Christian McCaffrey. I mean, it's, I, it's, I understand yeah. why. Yeah. <laughs> Two years in a row of this guy, you know, but like, yeah, sure. Maybe he can be on the field a lot, but if he can't stand up to those snaps, then it doesn't matter. Um, I think it would be Jonathan Taylor for me. I mean, the guy is averaging 21 points a game, which is 4.2 more points than the next guy on this list here. Austin Eckler, uh, he had a 50 point fantasy game you know, this season, right. which is just absurd. And it's not like he, he, you know, he also has a 32 point game, a 29 point game. Like he has plenty of other boom weeks. It's not like that 50 points is inflating it too much. Um, he did get off to a slow start, but I mean, from week four on, he has not scored less than 15 points in a, in a game. So for me, I think it is uh Jonathan Taylor, although, it'll be interesting to see like where the Colts are next year. You know, I would love to see them add a receiving talent, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely hope to see that. Um, Carson Wentz is proving serviceable as their quarterback. And if they can just keep that running game going, they can, they can definitely make a playoff run next year as well. They're in the hunt heavily in the hunt this year. We looking forward to seeing if they can make it just uh, don't really hope they win this week against the Patriots. So. Yeah, it's a good matchup. I feel like they're, uh, yeah, I feel like they're like perfectly matched up teams in, in a lot of ways. Like they're very similar teams the way their offenses are constructed right now. So yeah, limit, very, li- limit the quarterback's mistakes, go through the run game, that kind of, you know. Yeah, I'm very curious to see how they match up because it's kind of like obviously the Patriots are going to want to take Jonathan Taylor out of the game. Can they do that? I don't know. I think the best way they could do that is to bust out to an early lead and play against the run at the same time. That's really the only way I think they can make it happen. But I don't think that Jonathan Taylor is just going to be a pushover. Like you can scheme against him, but he's the type of running back that can just kind of break a couple runs that blow that whole scheme apart. So it was the Colts that like beat the Bills, right? On the on the back of like there was a Colts Bills game and the Colts won like on the back of Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I'm just, I would say, yeah, yeah, 41 15. Um, that was like wh- what mm. I was listening to a podcast, and what they were talking about is how, like, the Bills had a similar approach to try and stop Jonathan Taylor that they think that the Patriots are going to take, where, like, you know, you, you, you dedicate extra linebacker resources to stopping him. But the Bills linebackers aren't the most like physical guys in the world where like Dante Hightower and I forget the name of the other Patriots linebacker, but they're both like really tough physical linebackers. So they thought that the Patriots might have more success. But the thing is, like if Carson Wentz is on, he can hurt hurt you through the air, too. If he's off, like it's one of those situations where it's either going to be a really competitive game or a Patriots blowing out the Colts. And I think a lot of it's going to come down to Carson Wentz. Yeah, that's a good point. It probably is on Carson Wentz a lot. I'm assuming that Jonathan Taylor can't just wreck the Patriots can't on his own. Him. Yeah. I don't think he can win the game alone, but I think he's a necessity for them to win the game. So, yeah, definitely going to be interesting to see if Mac Jones or Carson Wentz can be the tipping point there because the Colts are going to want to do the same thing. They're going to want to take away the running game from the Patriots and see what Mac Jones can do. And we haven't really seen like a Mac Jones unlimited game. So uh, that would be interesting to see. Three pass attempts in the last uh, (laughs) game. So, yeah, that's pretty wild. That's more of like the Bill Belichick, you know, working himself up to a point where he just wanted that to happen, I think. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think that, like, yeah, I think they were, 
They were definitely running the ball more than necessary to like prove yeah. a point. Yeah. They could have schemed screens in, and I'm sure they had a game scripted to do so, but they were like, wait, this is working. Let's this just keep it, yeah. running the ball. And Bill Belichick being the, you know, the old school old head that he is was just loving it. So they didn't what, have to deviate. What's funny is I think it was McDermott or someone like people after the game were like, Oh, well the Patriots at the end of the day, they only averaged 3.4 yards per carry. It's like if you average 3.4 yards per carry, you can win a football game. Just then run you the never ball need on every play. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So so point refuted. Um, all right. As our last question here, as we look to next year, are there any incoming 2022 rookies that excite you? So I have not watched any college ball this year, and that is not my area of expertise. So I will defer to you entirely. Okay. Well, Traylon Burks is the guy that's getting a lot of buzz. He's like six foot something. He's built like Derrick Henry, but he's like a wide receiver, essentially. Like huh. massive linebacker type frame. AJ um, Brown, maybe? AJ Brown-esque, yeah. Okay. Um, very limited route tree, DK Metcalf type when it was coming out. Like used this lot as like a, a long line of scrimmage gadget player, but just like an extreme athlete. And people think like, you know, the NFL today is more creative and we can find roles for these guys that aren't the most polished players coming out. So he's in the, in the wide receiver realm. One of the names that's exciting. A lot of people, um, Kenneth Walker, the third is really interesting to me. I think a lot of dynasty scouters have a Isaiah Spiller and Brees Hall above him. Uh, Isaiah Spiller is like a very bruising running back. I think his top speed is like four or five, but you know, just like, you know, hit the hole and keep going. Uh, and then Brees Hall is more of a dynamic rushing threat. Brees Hall will probably be the overall number one pick, depending on where he ends up, just because of like the hype around him. Uh, but Spiller had 1,600 rushing yards and 18 touchdowns, averaging 6.2 yards per carry in 12 games a season at Michigan State. He was a Heisman candidate early on until he cooled down a little bit. Um, I think the production is should be a big flag here. I know people like to look at traits over production a lot and say, oh, like, you know, so like Odafe Owe, the edge rusher for the uh, Ravens, had zero sacks in, in at his senior year at Penn State, but they were like, oh, just look at the traits, and they made it work. So it makes sense. But sometimes I don't know if if a guy runs for sixteen hundred yards in in the Big Ten in twelve games, I think that's worth taking notice. Uh, he's not a pass catching back and he's not built like Derrick Henry. Um, so he really needs to have like a receiving element to his game to be super relevant, but he reminds me of like Deandre Swift and that he's just like a good vision footwork, elusive kind of runner kind of guy, uh, good contact balance. I just, uh, he's, he's the guy that I'm kind of most excited about, about because I could see him falling to the second round of dynasty drafts and him ended up being like a massive steal. Nice. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk a lot more about these names and plenty more in the offseason, but uh, glad you're throwing them out there early. Uh, it's about yeah. the time. We're about to be approaching uh, 2022 preseason here in a couple of weeks for fantasy, so uh, definitely good to pay attention to those names as we're approaching the end of the college football season. Yeah, and if like you're doing Dynasty and you like, you know, like Dan, you haven't really watched any college football this year, the two names you definitely need to know are Traylon Burks and Brees Hall. Those are the guys that are going to get all the buzz, I think, in, in leading up to uh, draft season. Okay. I definitely have heard Brees Hall, but I have not heard Traylon Burks yet. So I'll keep an eye out and an ear out. 
And uh, I think that's all we got. Is that the last question? That is the last question. Uh, I think we'll see you guys this Sunday. I suppose we can do the live show, even though it's like kind of playoffs and it's all over. Oh, wait, Uh, I forgot. I will be on vacation. Oh, you'll be on vacation. So we won't have a live show this week, but we'll have one eventually, maybe for the like the uh, fantasy championship week. That'll be a fun week to do it. Hopefully, Dane will be in that championship in our league. Hope so. Um, you can find us at Fantasy Bible Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Not like we post anything there, although we usually do post when we go live on Twitter. Yes. So uh, you, you'll you'll find that. And we post Boomy Bets on Instagram. Um, I'm about to sign off and have Boomy make that pick right now. Uh, if you're, you're you're probably listening to this on a Friday, but hope you enjoyed the matchup that we have coming up tonight. I'm really looking forward to it. I feel like it's the best. Thursday night game we've had in quite a while with the Chargers and Chiefs here. Possibly since week one, Cowboys, Bucks, maybe. So agreed. Thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. Peace.